Here we go. Father God, I love you. I thank you for today. I thank you for uh, just loving us, Lord. I thank you for being good to us. Uh, Lord, you, uh, you provide even when we don't know what to ask for. And so, um, God, I do uh, thank you for your word um, and the, the way that it changes lives. And thank you for the folks at Passpoint and um, just uh, the new faces we see uh, just week in and week out. And, uh, God, you're just good to us. I do I pray that we would just be uh, looking forward uh, to the rapture, Lord. And uh, I think of my brother Jim, who's uh, sitting with you. And so, God, I do uh, I long for that day. Uh, but until then, I pray that we just continue to get the work done. I pray you just speak to us today out of Romans chapter 12, that you just get the uh, the honor and the glory. I pray for uh, Pastor Brian today as he's uh, preaching in Florida, that you would just uh, use him as a vessel, Lord, and you just get the honor and the glory for it. Lord, I pray us all in Christ's name. Amen. Okay, so if you got your Bibles, open up to Romans chapter 12. And so, uh, like I said, thanks, Chris, for uh, teaching last week. And so if you'll remember a couple weeks back, uh, we've been in Romans 12, and so uh, the week, the first week we were in Romans 12, obviously we didn't get very far, you know, a couple verses, um, a couple impactful verses. Uh, and then uh, the following week, uh, so the last time I was in here, uh, we talked about uh, spiritual gifts, right? Does anybody remember that? Have you all slept since then? So, um, so there's seven spiritual gifts. Uh, somebody give me what they are. Somebody give me one of them. Huh? Prophecy. Administration. Administration. Teaching. Teaching. Ministry. Ministry. Giving. Giving. <laughs> Mercy. What's the last one? Exhortation. Yeah. Exhortation. Yeah. I know what they are, but I don't know which ones you all said. I was just counting. So, you know, it's your job to keep everybody accountable. I don't know. Uh, no, that's it. And so if you want to want to go back and listen to that, uh, please do, because those are important, right? The, your, the gifts that, uh, that the Lord gives you personally uh, to minister to the body of Christ, you need to know what that is in your life. Because if you know what that is in your life, you're able to use it. And so that's kind of what Romans 12 starts talking about. So obviously, uh, the Apostle Paul, he's like, hey, uh, for like 11 chapters, we talked about everything that, you can, or that God can do for you. So now it's time to talk about what you can do for God, right? What, what is your job? What do I do now? Right? And so that's what Romans 12 is about. And so then he's, he's like, okay, here's what you can do. Just give your entire everything to him. Verses 1 and 2. He's like, oh, okay, I, that's a lot, but okay. Right? And then he goes on to say, and here's how we're going to do that, right? I'm going to give you the supernatural ability to do things that you're not able to do on your own. Right, and so he lists out these spiritual gifts, and then for the rest of Romans chapter twelve, like from not, uh, verse nine all the way down to verse twenty-one, he then goes through this list of. So here's what that's going to look like, right? So I've told you, just basically lay down your life uh, for Christ, right? Just give me everything, and that's the least you can do. And he's like, here's how you can do it by, you know, using what you couldn't do before and now you can do now, right? Now you're patient enough to be able to do that. Now you're able to teach. Now you're able to, uh, you know, have mercy and uh, just have this supernatural ability to give and all these different things, right? And he's like, okay, so now you have something to use. Now here's here's what we got to do. Right? And obviously this isn't a extensive list, but there's enough here to get you going. There's enough here to make you think, okay, right? And so I mentioned uh, as soon as I was kind of starting the announcements that, I'm actually going to use my uh, my HBI notes for this just because it would pretty much say the same thing. And so, you know, if it sounds kind of teachy, that might be why I'm trying not to sound that way. But uh, anyway, uh, so as you get into Romans chapters 12 to 14, 
right? Paul talks about your relationships with a lot of different people, right? With different groups of people. And so uh, in Romans uh, 12, 1 and 2, he talks about your uh, relationship to, you know, kind of the service of God. That's what he talks about, right? And then um, he talks about your... Uh, your, your relationship to the brethren in the church, which would be, you know, kind of like your spiritual gifts, right? So, hey, you're able to teach. Hey, I'm not very good at that. Hey, you're able to love people. I'm not really that good at it, right? Not that you can't love people, but you have the supernatural ability to love, like with mercy and those different things. So that's kind of your relationship to the brethren. And then starting in verse 9, all the way to the end of the chapter, we see uh, the first part of two kind of discussions on social relationships, Right? Uh, you know, some people are just like, I'm just socially awkward, right? You've heard people say that. Um, I'm kind of that way because I don't really love. We laughing at? <laughs> oh, <laughs> he blames it on. Never mind. I'm not gonna go there. Uh, anyway, you know, I I would even put myself in that boat somewhat because I don't really love being around people and being around in huge groups, and it's just like. I would rather be at my kitchen table or just around a few people. Now, God has definitely grown me in that area, and I'm, I'm not out of my, like, element, but I'm still not super comfortable about it. Like, as soon as we got saved, if you'd have put me in a group of huge, a huge group of people, I'd have been the guy in the corner, just like, I'm over here. If somebody wants to come talk to me, this is where I'll be, right? And Paige, you be right here too, because you need to like play defense. Like, you're like the, you're like the smoke screen. Like, if they can make it through you, then I'll say something. But right, and that's just how I was. And so God has grown me in that area. But this is kind of like the first of uh, two discussions on social relationships. So the first one's here, and it looks at our ministry to people inside the body of Christ. So everything we're going to talk about today is basically how you should react in, in different situations to the people inside the body of Christ. And then there's another section, uh, when we get into chapter 13 towards the end, that it talks about our ministry to people outside of the body of Christ. Because obviously, the way that we treat our brothers and sisters in Christ, right, should be different than the way that we treat the lost world. Just simply because our goal to the lost world isn't to, you know, be buddies with them. It's to get them the gospel. Now, I know some people don't like it when you say, you, you know, you got to build a relationship with somebody. And, like, I get that, right? Uh, we were listening to, we listen to a lot of different kinds of music when we work, right? And so sometimes it is Christian music. It's not always. I'll be the first one to tell you, right? You know, shocker. You know, and, and I'll, sh- I'll tell you why when we get to Romans 14, because it doesn't defile my conscience. But anyway, we'll get there on a different day. Um, so the point is, we were listening to something, uh, and it, it was Casting Crowns. It was, it was, I don't even remember... I don't remember the context, right? But, uh, you know, you know, Casting Crowns, they're kind of, you know, I, I, I like their music. But anyway, so it was something along the lines of, I'm trying to remember how it went. I know the gist of it, but I'm trying to think of the line because then you would know what I'm talking about. But um, I can't think of it. So anyway, the, the, the context was, uh, the context was being able to, uh, you know, build a, a bridge I can't remember. I, I know the song. I just can't remember the words. I can't. I'm not doing that anyway. So see, I, know, I know where you're going with that. So what's up, brother? Um, so uh, anyway, it's like basically we want to uh, build a bridge to be able to uh, you know share the gospel with somebody, right? And so uh, uh, my good friend Tyler Scholes, who I work with nearly every day, he's like, you know, there's a pastor in both of our lives, and I'm not going to tell you who it is, that would tell you that this song's not biblical. And I laughed at him because I'm like, I know exactly what you're talking about, and I understand both sides of the story. And 
He's like, I know. But the point here is, I get where the pastor is coming from, right? You don't have to earn a right to share the gospel with anybody, right? You have the right to go and share it with anybody you want. But I said, that person also has the right to tell me to F off because they don't know who I am, right? And I wouldn't say that normally, but I'm just saying, like, I... <laughs> like, they do. But if I take the time to get to know somebody and at least, you know, share why I am the way that I am, then I think that I did at least, you know, earn the opportunity to at least let them hear me out. So I get both sides of it. And so that's the whole point. We have a different ministry to people outside the body of Christ as the people inside the body of Christ. Obviously, we're on mission no matter what. We talked about that last night in uh, D1. So anyway, let's just jump into this. I don't think we're going to get very far into this because there's a lot to be said and there's a lot to be applied. So anyway, let's just jump into it. Romans... Uh, chapter 12, let's start in verse 9. I'm just going to read a few of these verses, and then uh, we'll go from there. So basically, he has said, hey, lay down your whole life for Christ, and here's how to do it. Let's talk about these spiritual gifts, right? And then he says in verse 9, let love be without dissimulation. Like, what does that mean? Well, we'll talk about it. Abhor that which is evil, cleave to that which is good, be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love and honor, preferring one another, not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer, distributing to the necessity of saints given to hospitality. Bless them which persecute you. Bless and curse not. Rejoice with them that do rejoice, and weep with them that weep. Be of the same mind one to another. Mind not high things, but condes- uh but condescend to men of low estate. Be not wise in your own conceits. Recompense to no man evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. If it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him drink. For in so doing, thou shalt heap coals upon uh, a fire on his head. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. Obviously, we're not going to get through all that. But that's a long list. Like, hey, if you want to know what it means to, like, I've done all this for you for the first 11 chapters. Now, what can I do for you, Christ? Well, here's a list that will take you the rest of your life. And this is just to the inside of the body of Christ. And he's got more to say, but let's just pick up and kind of go through some of these. Because obviously you can read those, and it's like, yeah, I kind of get that, I kind of get that, but let's kind of walk through it. So the first thing he says in Romans 12, he says, let love be without dissimulation. What does that mean? Somebody just, like, when you read that, like, what, what crosses your mind? Chris, let love be without dissimulation. What does that mean? I don't need you. I'm going to have to Google dissimulation. All right. Let me just tell you. It means no fake love allowed. Right? Stop being a poser. And I'll just say it like it is, right? It's like me up here wearing khakis. I feel like a poser because this is not me. Right? This is totally not me. But, you know, sometimes you just do what you got to do. You got to make it sincere. What is dissimulating love? Dissimulating love is it's simulated. It's fake love. Like, because you have to. You know, you ever been around somebody in the body of Christ that's like, I don't love this person, but I know I'm supposed to love this person, so you got to kind of fake it so you make it? Okay, well, I get that, but at the same time, we talked about this in D1 last night, talking about, uh, you know, uh, other Christians. Like, you don't have to like your brothers in Christ, but you do have to love them. Right? It's kind of like your family. You don't get to... You don't get to choose your family, right? But they're still family. It's just the way that it is, right? I've got some family that's like, man, I, I really wish there were some things that I could work out here. I don't get to choose that. So you know what I'm going to do instead? 
<laughs> it wasn't even. That didn't even cross my mind, Chris. <laughs> So here's, here's the first command for us as New Testament church age saints. The word dissimulation means to hide under a false appearance. It means to simulate an attitude which is not true. Dissimulation is pretending to have care for other members of the body when that's not really your intent. right? You can tell when people are like that. You're, you're fake, right? You don't really care about what you're saying. Like, have you ever been in a conversation with somebody and it's just like, I can tell that you're watching the squirrel behind me. Right? You don't even hear the words that I'm saying. Right? And it, you, you don't care. Like, that's what he's saying. The first thing that you need to do, I've given you these gifts, let love be without dissimulation. Like, don't even pretend it. Like, if, if you're going to have to pretend it, just avoid that person. Right? If it's going to be fake, just avoid them. That's what you need to do. Right? <laughs> what do you. No, you need to get your heart right. But I'm saying, if, if my heart is wrong today, it would be better for me to like circle around, get my heart right, and come back. I'm not saying avoid them permanently. I'm sorry that sounded wrong. Right. No, but I'm saying I would rather like, okay, I'm just gonna like, my heart's not right today. Right. So I'm sure that this has only happened in my life. I'm not gonna accuse any of you other husbands or wives of doing this. Right. There have been times in my life that like. Things aren't completely kosher with Paige and I. Like, there was once, right? Anyway, and so you just, and instead of like addressing the issue, sometimes it's easier to just kind of skirt around it until I get my heart right, right? I'm sure I'm the only person that's been like that. That's the same type of thing, right? I'm not going to try to fake it. I would rather make sure that I'm right with God before I can try to get right with her. And so, like I said, I'm sure that's just me. Love in the body of Christ has to be genuine and not hypocritical. It's funny that you said that word because that's what it is. It's hypocritical, right? First um, Timothy one five says, "Now the end of the commandment is charity, out of a pure heart, out of a good conscience, and of faith unfeigned." Love is acting charity, right? What we we call you know doing things that we don't have to do, like charity, right? I'm just giving you my time. It's charity. No, that's actually what the Bible calls love. Right, you know, it, it's you know we give to charity, right? No, you you do it because you love, right? That's why we don't just throw our money at anything because I don't know where the money's going anyway. You might be taking my money and using it for whatever, you know, and and that's just me. And right, it, it's love. The love is already there. Your job is to simply let it flow without diverting course. How is the love already there? The body or uh, the God of the universe lives inside of you. The love is there. So if you can't somehow get it out, that's your problem. That's not God's problem. Right? That's on you. It's not on him. It's not on God, give me more love. No, I promise. There's all the love that you need is in there. If it's not coming out, you need to check your heart. That's what that means. Right? Romans 5 5 says, And hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed about in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given to us. So if you're saved, right, and I'm looking around the room and I don't know of anybody that I'd be like, I'm not sure, you know, there's a couple little girls back there that, you know, they're on the border, but I'm kidding. Uh I think most people in here, uh, you, you got Christ inside of you, right? And so it, if you're saved, you're automatically going to love the brethren, right? I, I was completely honest with you. I don't love being around people that much, right? But since I uh, accepted Christ, it's different now. Like, I, I'm okay with people, right? And um, even people that I'm not the same as, I'm like, I can, I can deal with that. You know, we're different and you know, we're probably not going to hang out on the weekend, but, you know, I love you because you're my brother. And more than importantly, because I'm going to be with you for eternity, so I better work this thing out now. That's just how it works out, right? Because that the Holy Spirit 
He puts it in your heart. Don't let circumstances and now I'm saying, right? Hurt feelings, stepped on toes, stifle that love because that's what happens. We, and I'm not going to say too much because I got plenty to say here in a little bit about uh, about all that. So you know, don't allow bitterness and resentment to turn your grin into a pasted-on smile because that's what happens, right? Well, we're not going to just be mad. You know, we're just going to fake it till we make it, right? That's that's what we not need not to do, right? God will accomplish. Right, his will in that person's life, so don't worry about it. Romans eleven twenty two says sometimes that kind of love means severity. Right? Sometimes that love means ridicule of sin. Sometimes when you love somebody, you gotta be blatantly honest with them about something that's hard to talk about. Right? You ever been there? Right? Sometimes that love means discipline. A coach who yells at me because I'm running the wrong play is doing it very lovingly, right? Now, maybe. I've had some coaches that it wasn't quite so loving, but, you know, right? Uh, and I'm not, you know, if one of... So, here's another way. If, if one of my own players tackles me because I'm headed to the wrong goal with the ball, he's doing it lovingly, right? He's doing it, you know, trying to... Uh, you know, it, it's good for him, but it's also good for me. Right? That's just how it works. But there's only so far we can go to stop someone who's desert, uh, determined to go to the wrong goal. You understand that? Mike Blake talked about, and even if you weren't at the marriage conference, I heard him reference it when he preached last week. You know, sometimes oxen fall into pits, right? Meaning just rough times in life. And I'm going to talk about this here in a little bit again. But, you know, and, and they do. They need help out, right? You ever been around somebody that just needs help out of the pit? They're just, they're just stuck? Well, you can, only, you can only help so much, right? If somebody is in the water and they are drowning, I can throw them the buoy. But they at least have to get a hold of it, right? I can't do it all for them. And so, we're, like I said, we're going to talk a lot more about that, so I don't want to kind of steal the same thing I'm going to say. But, like, yeah, people do need help out of the pit, but, like, at some point they've got to want to help themselves. They at least have to, to grab it. You know, you can only do so much, right? They can, you can only stop someone who is so determined. There's only so far we can go to stop them, and we can always love them without dissimulation. Without stickiness, without pretending that you know things are okay when they're not. You ever been around that? Like we know there's something wrong in this situation, but I'm just gonna kind of tiptoe around it because you know it's just gonna make it weird. Um, you ever been there? I'm sure. I'm sure you have. Well, guess what? Sometimes it needs to be weird without making them feel like they're okay. You know, no love will leave Christians who are in sin feeling out of joint. That's what you need to do is, hey, you're, you're messed up. And, you know, I'm not loving you without telling you that you're messed up. Something's not right here, right? That's love. Sometimes love is coming out of Egypt. It's victory in the Song of Moses. But sometimes love is coming back from Babylon. It's desolation and it's bittersweet. Yet the, the, the determination of love is acting in someone else's best interest to get them into the will of God. So, you know, I'm, I don't know who I'm talking to. You know, I know some people have some things going on, but... You know, you're going to have situations in life where it's just like, man, I don't really know. Like, this is a weird situation, and the best thing I can do is just stay out of it. Well, let me just tell you something. If you know enough of the gospel, if you know enough of the truth, like the best thing you can do is tell them the truth, right? The best thing that somebody can do is if I'm kind of dabbling in sin or if I've got something going on in my life, is just tell me, hey, get your head out of your you-know-what, Right? You know, we talked about this in discipleship last night too. I've, I've got a few brothers in Christ that I know, no matter what, right? They're not going to sugarcoat it for me. 
you know, and I know that I can be the same way with them. And there's a lot of respect when it comes to that because, like, my best friends in Christ are the people that I know I can be the most honest with because it's like, hey, you're messed up, right? And if you don't have somebody like that in the body of Christ, that's on you because you're you're withholding yourself that much, right? You need to have somebody that you can be blatantly honest with. You know, and I'm not saying you need to be like that with everybody because then you're just that guy who shares his business with everybody. You don't want to do that. But you need to have at least one somebody, if not at least a few somebodies that are holding you accountable and like, hey, I don't know what's going on with you, but get your head out, right? Because you're not only making yourself look like a fool, but you're making me look like a fool because I'm associated with you, right? And you're not loving them if you don't do that. That's what that's talking about. Yeah, it's not fake love, but that's what love in the body of Christ is like. You know, people think of Christians as, you know, oh, you guys are, you know, weak and, you know, you're just, oh, everything's about God and right, you're just so feminine, right? And it's like, okay, that's just the, the way that it comes across. It's like, okay, I get where you're coming from. Yeah, everything I do in my life is for Christ, but I promise it's it's the opposite of that, right? Come to work with me for a day and tell me how, you know, feminine the way that I live my life is, right? Or, you know, no, I just live my life for a higher purpose, right? And you need to have people in your life that you're able to just be serious with. And that's kind of the point I'm trying to get at here. So this leads into the next thing. Uh, he says uh, in verse uh, 9, Abhor that which is evil, cleave to that which is good. Okay, well, that's pretty easy. Don't do the things that are dumb. Cleave to the things that are godly, right? I don't know any other way to put that, right? Like, don't do dumb things. We tell our kids all the time, make wise choices. Why do you say that? Because don't do dumb things sounds worse, right? That's why. I mean, at the end of the day, that's why. Like, make wise choices. We always make wise choices. Well, always is a pretty definite statement, right? I'm just telling you, don't do dumb things, right? And it sounds more godly to say make wise choices, right? Uh, one of my sons is uh, on vacation with another family, and I'm like, this this could be really good or really bad. I don't know, right? And uh, not that I don't trust Brent, not that I don't trust the people he's with. I just know what it's like to be, you know, that age. And, like, sometimes you just do dumb things. And it's like, oh, I probably shouldn't have not done that, right? There's times every week that I'm like, I probably should have not said that, right? And I know what I should and shouldn't say, and it still happens. So sometimes you do things you ought not do. Make wise choices, right? That's very true, right? We've all got plenty of it. Okay, I don't want to speak for everybody. I've got plenty of it. Don't let it all out at once. That's, that's very true, right? Don't let all your dumb out at once. Like, I, I'm going to use that. The Bible takes it for granted that you understand that certain things are right and certain things are wrong when it says this, though. That's the problem. Because, you know, we all like to find gray areas. You know what gray areas are? Uh, they're your way of saying, I don't really like what the Bible says about that, so I'm going to try to find my way to skirt around it. That's what a gray area is. Just call it what it is. It assumes that you're going to study the Bible as the absolute standard of determining what is right from wrong, right? And what does it say about unconditional love? Psalms 97.10 says, You that love the Lord, you hate evil. Right? I don't love you if I make you think it's okay, but yet you're doing the wrong thing. It's not true, biblical, unconditional love. Right? So here, here's, here's kind of the, the boil-it-down point. If, if you don't love the right way, right? If you don't love the biblical way, I let you drag me into the drama of your sin. You ever been there? Mm, I can think of some situations, right? I knew that what you were doing, what you were saying, what you were, you know, complaining about, and the next thing I know, now I'm in it, 
right? And it's like, I didn't want nothing to do with that. Now it's all over me, right? It's like, it's like changing a kid's diaper. Like, I don't even want to do this in the first place, and somehow it's all over me. Like, I didn't, I don't like this. <laughs> I don't, I'm so, the, the really weird thing is my kid's 17, right? <laughs> Totally kidding, right? Diaper changes look a lot like sheared ball joints. The sheets going into the washer. If I'm in sin, and you tell me with salt instead of honey, I should have no complaint about the way that you told me, right? If you know that I know, if you know that I ought to know better, right? Like, okay, Jason, you you ought to know that that's not the right thing, right? If if you know that I know. Right, so if I know that what you're doing, like that's completely wrong, right? And you knew that, and so don't try to play dumb with me, right? So if I know that you know that you have to do better, right? And you choose to dump the Tabasco in it to get my attention, should I seek to deflect the attention away from my sin by complaining about your Tabasco? And that's what we do. We're like you didn't have to be so harsh about it. Well, you didn't have to be so dumb about it, right? I don't know how else to put it, right? I don't think so. Your job is to have sensitivity at that point. Your job is to be valiant for truth. Discipline is in the Bible for the local church because a parent does not love their children if they don't use the rod. You do not abhor evil if you refuse to use the rod at times when it's necessary and right to use the rod. Now, we're not teaching parenting, but you know, if you refuse to use the rod, you're saying that what's evil is okay. You're saying that God tolerates it when He doesn't. And so when you've got a brother in Christ that you know is kind of walking a gray area and you don't call him out on it, you might as well be in it with them because it's your job to at least say something. It really is. It's your job to at least say something. Right? And, uh, yeah. God might be long-suffering with us, but don't misread that as tolerance for evil. Right? If God has let you get through it this long, you better just say, praise God, I'm getting out now. You know? There was a time in my life when I got saved that I was like, okay, I, I had pushed away Christ long enough. I had pushed away... Uh, all of that long enough and it was like okay at some point I knew that if I kept saying no no like I was inviting lightning into my life like it, I was inviting God to do whatever he needed to do the other side of that love though is clinging to what's good so obviously you're going to hate what's evil but you're going to cling to what's good when I have fully repented and you know and not just by words but actually you see it in my life you have an obligation to not only call me out for what I'm doing wrong, but you got an obligation to put your arm around me and mean it, right? And say, hey, I'm, I'm glad you're back, right? You know, it, things were messed up. It's, it's really good that you're back, right? And to get me back into fellowship. If you're going to be the one that calls me out and say, hey, you're out of line, you better be the first one that's there to say, hey, I'm really glad you got this rectified, right? Because that's what people need to hear sometimes. You know, some people thrive on an attaboy, you know, and they just do. You know, words of affirmation are, are what some people just, just thrive on. Most, most men don't want to say it. Most men need an attaboy more than anybody else. They just do. Right? When you find something evil, flee from it. When you prove that something is good, hold fast to it. And then it says in verse 10, Be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love. That means be devoted to each other as you would a family member. Right? It... it you better love me like I'm actually in your family because I'm actually in your family. You know, you, some of you have like siblings that you're just like, I don't know why, but I'm really close to this person. I don't even like the way that you are, but I'm really close to you. Like I've got some sort of bond with you, 
right? And I'm, I've got that. Like, I've got a brother and a sister. And for as much as I, like, really dislike some of their traits, I'm like, I would do absolutely anything for either one of them. Like, I would drop anything. You know, and I, I would probably do that for a lot of people, but it's like you have a different kind of bond. That's what it's saying here. The people in the body of Christ, man, you, you, you ought to love them the same way. That's what it's saying. Right? Your real family is the one that lasts into eternity, which means your real family is the family you have in the body of Christ. So cut each other the same slack that members of the natural family would cut each other, remembering the limitation of the first two rules. We're not going to cut slack on sin, right? But hey, just because that person's different than you, guess what? Your siblings are different than you and you love them, right? So this, that's what he's saying. Hey, make it work, right? Figure it out. <laughs> Figure it out. I know what Nick Snake is, so... <laughs> Members of a natural family might cover up each other's repented sins, but you know this family loves each other too much to, to cover for sin or to cover it up so it can continue. We don't do that. Paul illustrates this kind of family devotion for us, right? He says, defer to the other person and lead the way for others. Meaning, you don't always have to be the chief, right? Sometimes it's easy to just be like, hey, what do you think? You know? What do you think? We'll just roll that way. And then there's other times that you need to take the lead. Meaning, there's got to be some sort of compromise in the way that you live your life with other Christians. If you're the guy who comes in and it's like, this is the way we're doing it. This is the way we're doing it all the time. Nobody's going to follow you. <laughs> like, it just doesn't happen. Some people who are like extremely type A, that they're just like, well, that's the way I am, right? It just That's just the way God made me. No, um, that it, it might be the way that God made you. But at the same time, if it's always this, 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 and this, Nobody's, nobody's going to follow you, right? And if you're type A and nobody's following you, well, I'm not sure what type that makes you other than odd. So just like throwing that out there. So, right? You've got to be able to lead. And the best leaders uh, find a way to get the best out of the people that are following them, right? And so I can tell you when your family breaks down, that's when everybody in the house has to have their own way, Right? When you go out to eat, and every, we go six different places, right? We don't roll that way in my family. Like, I, it, we, Where do you want to eat? Pick one. We're not going anywhere other than one, right? I found out that my wife was in the city the other day, and like, she went to like four different places for the kids, and I'm like, you did what? And she's like, well, we were in the city, and everything was right there. I'm like, I don't care. It's the point, right? Anyway, it's just kind of the whole, right? When your, family, when your team breaks down... That's when every player is out there doing their own thing, right? You can have a team, it doesn't matter what level, what sport, that is head and shoulders above everybody else. And they can still lose, right? They can. We saw it with the Chiefs not very long ago, right? Other than the offensive line, I think we did something about that this week. But anyway, uh, you know, it, that happens, right? What makes a family work is when we, refer, when we defer to somebody else sometimes, right? And they defer to us sometimes. Sometimes we leave the way for them, but there's no jealousy. Other times they leave the way for us. But we're secure, and that's okay. Even in your marriage, that's all right. Like, it's okay, guys, to be like, what do you think? Let's roll with that. There are a lot of times in my life, like, obviously, at the end of the day, I have to say. And I'm not saying that because I'm, man, hear me, it's not that at all. But like, like yeah. It, but no, there are times that I'm like, I'm kind of indifferent. What do you think? Right? Like with the kids sometimes, it's like, I... I know that I'm the one at the final say, but you spend more time with them. What do you think? You know, where where that with it? Not always. Sometimes I'm like, this is the way it's going to be, and she's like, I don't really think so. I'm like, sorry, this is the way it's going to be, right? So, but sometimes it's okay to like, you know, defer to the other person, right? I had no way last time. 
you know, what do you want to eat this time? Well, I don't know what you want to eat. I didn't. I chose last time. You have to choose this time, right? Instead of I get to choose, it's like you have to choose this time. That's how that works, right? Let me give you another example of how this works so you'll understand. Like, so I watched football last Sunday, so now you get to watch football with me this Sunday, right? <laughs> Not exactly, but anyway. So. Football makes for good content. <laughs> so I'll, I'll end with this. How do you so how do you increase your love for the brethren, right? So we've talked a whole lot about you need to love your brethren. Um, so what does that look like? How how so it's like okay, you've told me what I need to do. How do I do it? Like because you've told me even like the love of Christ is inside of me. How do I make it come out, right? Because you said it's in there. So like, uh, what makes it come out, right? <laughs> Right? So, like, it's in there. Uh, so, let me just end with this, right? So, how do you increase your love for the brethren? It's, it, it's when you respond and react to your brother and sister in Christ the same way you would if they were Jesus himself. That's how you do it. Right? I don't really like them. Well, guess what? Like, they have Jesus inside of them. So, like, it, it's, like, here's a, like, it, it, it's when the knothead that you really don't really care for that much at church backs into your new Mercedes in the parking lot. And then Jesus jumps out. How are you going to act? Man, you hit my car! No. I don't even know what a Mercedes looks like, right? <laughs> it's not a Mercedes. I just put that in the point is, like, you want to know, like, okay, so what does it look like to have that love for the brethren? Treat them like they're Christ themselves. That's really hard to do sometimes. Right? If you really want to make this practical, do that in your marriage. Or to your kids that, you know, have Christ. Like all of a sudden it's like, all right, I'm I didn't hear none of this, I'm out, right? Not coming back either. Because that's yeah. Like that's what that means. Right? You want to know how? And you know, like I said, we can stop there, but it's it's just treating them like Christ. Because they have Christ inside of them. That's what that means. So you want to start living out this love? That's where it starts. So we've got a few more weeks to get through this list, but that's a decent place to stop. So let's pray. Uh, we'll get out of here. Um, remember to pray for uh, Anne and the Boyette family uh, this week. And, you know, it's just it's transition in life. There's a lot going on. And so, um, so yeah, uh, let's pray. Father God, I love you. Thank you for today, Lord, to do. Um, pray uh, even now for uh, just Anne Boyette and uh, her children, Lord, and uh, it's a it's a tough time when you know they're trying to uh, figure out life uh, without uh, Jim. But at the same time, there's hope in the fact that he's saved. And uh, Lord, I do pray you just give him comfort in that. Uh, I pray that the body of Christ would really uh, just love on him through this time. And I got to do uh, pray for the Passpoint class and. Um, Lord, that you would just uh, continue to get the honor and the glory for what you're doing in our lives. Um, we don't do anything uh, because we can. We do it all because you allow us. So, uh, Lord, I do thank you for that. I do pray that you would just uh, send us out this week as uh, lights in a, in a pretty dark world, that you would get the honor and the glory from the things that we do, the things that we say, the things that we think, and, and all those things, God. And I do pray that you know we really would understand what it means to love our brothers, you know, and just treat them like we were treating uh, you. And so, Lord, I do pray that we would just uh, uh, challenge ourselves with that this week. Uh, I pray that you would just uh, bless your word uh, in the next service, that you just get the honor and the glory. I pray this all in Christ's name. Amen. Amen.